Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Hardware Podcast. My name is Jackson Danner, alongside my good friend Omar Borja. Uh, this week we are covering the East-West Shrine Bowl, which is taking place this Thursday night in the big Roomba Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, home of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, we have got some excellent draft talent, probably the best all-star game that we've had thus far. And yeah, I- I'm excited to go over some of these guys, these coaching staffs. It'll be awesome. Yeah, it's truly been a splendid all-star season. I mean, you had the storylines of the Hula Bowl, uh, and then you had the um, you had the Tropical Bowl, and then of course this past weekend, what a NFLPA collegiate bowl. Like for once we had a really competitive all-star game that came down to the wire. Uh, you know, sort of climactic with a with a field goal at the end, well, a missed field goal at the end, but you know, it was great. I mean, it seems like every postseason game at the Rose Bowl this year has not disappointed, all two of them, that is. Um it is not. It has not. Maybe they should move the Super Bowl over there. So maybe they'll never go back with SoFi. It breaks my heart. They'll never, never go back with SoFi. But I guess before we start our Shrine Bowl, um, our Shrine Bowl list, did anyone so catch I, your eye? I have something real quick because I know multiple times today I've said Shrine Game because for forever this thing was the East West Shrine Game. I've got some quarters here and then I've got this handy dandy NFL Network mug that's going to serve as our swear jar. So every time we say shrine game, I'm just going to put a few quarters in the swear jar. So. All right. Okay. Well, I'll Venmo you. I'll Venmo you, venue you my quarters because um, I'm going to call it the shrine game because it was a meaningless name change in my opinion. So that's one quarter, Jack. I keep track of my quarters because I think it was a meaningless name change. But um, yeah, I guess before we start into this, uh, I too have my qualms with the East West Shrine Bowl. But did anyone um, catch your eye in the NFLPA Bowl last weekend? There's a couple guys for me. Uh, yeah, definitely. There were some guys that really, uh, you know, stood out. Obviously I didn't get to watch the whole thing. Unfortunately, uh, had to run some errands, but you, 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 Hey, you were there. You tell me what guys really stood out a lot to you. Yeah. So, I mean, the couple, the couple, I'm sure like you shot, you saw, you saw the stat sheet, um, Cole Kelly really improved from his whole, his hula bowl performance where he went two for five, won the MVP trophy actually too. Um, so Cole Kelly was, was great. You also had a quill glass helping out his draft stock a bunch. I think he went nine for 11 for 140 yards. Um, surprisingly too, you had a Michael Cooper of Navy three catches or 52 yards out of the, uh, uh, you know, out of, you know, on the edge, they had him run, they had to run a little bit of slot, something that he didn't really do at Navy, but three catches, 52 yards was a good deep threat. Um, so he was pretty solid there as well. Uh, Brian Kobach, aside from a fumble in the second quarter, looked really good again. So he's helped his draft stock a bunch. Um, so yeah, though, that's my short list of guys. Um, I mean, on defense, we had Eric Johnson from Missouri State get a call right after the NFL PA Bowl and say, pack your bags, you're going to Mobile. So great for him in Missouri State. Uh, Good program there. And I grit my teeth when I say that Bobby Petrino is doing a great job. Let's just go to let's just talk about the Shrine Bowl before before we have have to talk about Bobby Petrino even more. Sounds good, man. (laughs) Yeah, but Cole Kelly was obviously the the big standout of the game. Like you said, Uh, nothing really of note really even from uh from his time in orlando luckily it was able to, to fly out on the on the west coast and get a little bit of a better look hopefully and hopefully we see him get a, a nice you know day three pick udfa contract something like that or we can see him in a, in a capacity at the next level and watch him play a little little bit of football in august would be awesome so 
Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I guess before we start and uh, you, you get your first player in. Um, so I guess this year, the NFL Shrine Bowl and geez, sorry, I'm mixing up the bowl games. The East West Shrine game, that's one quarter. So I'm at 50 cents, Jackson. I'll Venmo you that. Um, the East West Shrine game this year will be on a Thursday night for the first time ever. It'll be played um, at Allegiant Stadium, the big room. But like we said, it's a bit different. They're parting with the Pro Bowl. And we talked about this with our good friend, uh, Scott from Western College Football Talk. We hope he's doing well. He's hit some troubles lately, but we hope he's doing great but yeah we talked about it and how it's a great marketing opportunity for the nfl but i texted you jackson and i i kind of don't like the idea for the fans because part of the splendor the splendor of college all-star games is seeing like your favorite college players from your school suit up one last time that you know against uh other you know the best of college football has offered like part of the reason i wanted to go to the nfl pa bowl so much was because zach harding army's best punter of all time statistically was punting at the rose bowl it's very cool i mean you see like in this it's a, a fan of say fiu in the same situation with tommy heatherly a ray guy finalist when you say oh we have our punter punting at nfl stadium oh it's on a thursday in vegas I have to fly across the country on a thursday in vegas and take time off for work it's not attractive i'm not a fan so that's my first qualm uh my second one which i'm sure you have more to say about it is how they're splitting up the teams east west it's not just a, it's not a geographical east versus west game like it's been for the past 90 plus years of the history of the game they're splitting it up based on defensive schemes and offensive schemes which it's like it's the east-west shrine game it's not the three four four three shrine game you know so two more quarters that's a dollar now but that's just my qualms with the game it's still got a lot of tradition and i love it but you know it's it's just tough love my biggest complaint with the move to Thursday night is not even that it's on a Thursday. Of course, not a fan of it. Not great for fans, especially in such a big city like this. When it was at the Trop, I think maybe it got a little bit more attention when, you know, being in St. Petersburg. But uh, my biggest complaint is that it's not the Saturday before the Senior Bowl. Traditionally, we would always have it the Saturday before the Senior Bowl. A lot of these execs, not just the scouts, a lot of these GMs, you know, assistant GMs, VP of personnel, a lot of these high level front office guys from the league would be able to go to the TROP and watch practices all week leading up to the East West Shrine game then. Um, and then now everyone's in Mobile right now, like everyone's face to the senior bowl. We've got plenty of first round talent that's there. There's, you know, entire legit NFL coaching staffs and the Lions and Jets that are coaching both sides of uh, of the North and South, I guess, there, right? So it's that my biggest complaint is that these guys aren't getting as much of a fair look anymore as they used to because all these – there's – I can tell you there's, there's no GM right now that's in Las Vegas watching this. I, I guarantee you they're all in Mobile right now. They're all scouting over there. There's no head coaches. I'm sure there's no, there's no one highly significant there that sure they're sending scouts. They're sending whoever, um, but man, it's just, it's not, these are, if a few of these guys really play very well and then perform excellently at the combine, maybe they'll sneak into the back end of day two. These are not, this is not first round talent. This is not even really day two talent. This is day three, you know, hopefully some, priority UDFAs that are at this game compared to the first, second, third, fourth round talent that we're seeing consistently at the senior bowl and props to Jim Nagy for, you know, recruiting that talent to come out to mobile. That's awesome. But we're just not seeing these guys get a fair look. That's my biggest complaint with that. 
Yeah, I mean, and you know, you mentioned you know the Senior Bowl being like you know round one draft picks. Of course, you got like the, all the all the top quarterbacks there at the at the uh, Senior Bowl. I mean, the Shrine Game and the Hula Bowl, one twenty five. The Hula Bowl are um, they are like the last of the college football all star games. You know, where it's like one last hurrah for these guys that like you saw led their teams to bowl games. Like you know, where the stories write themselves. Like you had a guy like Nick Starkle in the Hula Bowl who transferred to three schools. Like he literally, if you he literally pulled if you can't beat them, join them with art from going from arkansas to san jose state you know and you know seeing with, with his law and travel career ending an all-star game and i mean we saw mckenzie mill in the Hula Bowl. like that's that's definitely like we're another great college story so without further ado it's on a thursday night you can cue the pentatonics you know hopefully they bring up the pentatonics but i gotta say you know they had the uh the nflpa ball um broadcast in the press box and i just love hearing the nfl network jingle man like i wish it was heard more especially like with the chimes at the beginning you know the it's the best man i'm telling you out of all the network's themes, the, the Nifflin has the best. I'm telling you, I've always thought it's that. underrated. It's slept on. It I is mean, highly we, underrated. I'm glad you we, can agree on something positive about NFL Network with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I'll go ahead and move on talking about these coaching staffs a little bit. It's been awesome seeing in previous All Star games that we've talked about. We've seen Marvin Lewis and Jeff Fisher in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, two longtime former NFL head coaches. We saw uh, some great talent in the Tropical Bowl, uh, some former NFL talent and, and Arthur Smith and um, all of them. But uh, now we actually get to see some current NFL coaches. It's really the first all-star game where we get to see that. All coaches were nominated by their uh, NFL teams. Uh, these coaches that were nominated, nominated were reviewed by the NFL football operations staff, East West Shrine Bowl leadership, and two members of the NFL general manager's advisory committee, and then selected to coach in this game. Uh, for the East sideline, the head coach is Baltimore defensive back coach DeAnton Lynn. Uh, he's a rising star in coaching, a former New York Jets safety, uh, started out in the coaching world as a scouting intern and has moved up since. The offensive coordinator is Travell Wharton, uh, who is the Washington football team's assistant offensive line coach. The defensive coordinator is Drew Wilkins, the Baltimore uh, Ravens outside linebacker coach. And special teams will be handled by Ed Foley, the Carolina Panthers assistant special teams coach. For the West sideline, uh, Marcus Brady, the Colts offensive coordinator, is going to be the head coach. Uh, the offensive coordinator for the West team will be Clayton Adams, the Colts tight ends coach. The defensive coordinator will be Jeff Howard, the Cleveland Browns defensive pass game coordinator. And then uh, the special teams will be handled by Ben Jacobs, who is for the football team and the assistant special teams coach capacity. Uh, both strength staff for this week are actually going to be, it's all from the Raiders, which I think is awesome. So they're staying right from Vegas. Uh, and so the strength and conditioning is all going to be from the Raiders. I believe the head strength and conditioning coach is going to be on the East sideline though. Another really cool note that I wanted to mention. Uh, so the athletic training staff, even though it's an all-star game, we still need, you know, uh, gen our general managers still need equipment managers, athletic trainers, video staff, uh, all members of, you know, personnel in that capacity are members from the HBCU Development and Women's Pipeline Initiative. So all these athletic trainers, equipment managers are all from HBCUs, which is also pretty cool. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the, the Shrine game has been like very 150. It's been very... Um, very active with involving the HBCUs, as we'll talk about later on. I mean, I think there is by count four HBCU players 
um hopefully more in the coming years but it's just great what the shrine game is doing i mean uh 175 i mean of course with like the kids too it's 100th anniversary of the shriners too as you see in the end zones have you seen any any end zone footage too but uh it's just great especially with the coaching staffs being nominated by their peers and it's really like a like a job interview too for like getting those like higher higher roles i think jennifer king um i think that's her name for the washington football team um the female running backs coach it's it's a great opportunity for her i know she's out here and um in vegas for the for the shrine game two bucks <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. No, it's awesome. It Like you said, it really is a job interview when these guys are interviewing for, you know, instead of, you know, take uh, Kerry Johnson is going to be the quarterback coach for the East staff is the assistant wide receiver coach for Seattle. Hey, who knows? Maybe he gets a quarterback coach interview if uh, if EJ Perry and company does well. Uh out there so it'll be awesome to see and uh the fact that they were nominated already speaks to their uh you know to their capacity to coach in an excellent way yeah absolutely i mean again you know it's like i mean it's just great seeing the coaches like you, you have the former coaches approach and then flpa bowl and then of course um this approach too so i guess without further ado jackson um do you want to head into the players Absolutely. That's what we're all here for, right? For the players. Those are going to be the ones we'll be watching. So yeah, let's, let's go into it. Okay. So I guess I'm going first. Uh, so yeah, I guess my first, my first quarterback is a guy that I've talked about a lot on the, on the podcast and surprisingly uh, Jackson and I, we, uh, we sort of debated who, who would talk about him first. And uh, I made a deal for no Gators jokes for the next three podcasts. So here we are. Uh, Jackson will hold me out on that. Um, but no, it's, it's, no, it's none other than EJ Perry of Brown, uh, the electric quarterback for the, for the bears. He is the first uh, Brown quarterback to appear in the shrine, appear in the shrine game since W Lincoln Fogarty in the 1930. Uh, Shrine game for the 1930 season in December. Um, Fogarty definitely didn't have any. Uh, oh, go ahead, Jackson. I was just gonna say, who was president then, Omar? That's usually how you reference these things. Oh, well, yeah, president was Herbert Hoover. And we're in the midst of the depression, so uh, yeah, but W. w Lincoln Fogarty certainly did not have any 3,000 yard years in 1930. But EJ Perry's game is so fun to watch because he's one of those quarterbacks that you know, sort of always plays from behind, and it's through no fault of his own. Um, you know, the Brown defense was kind of rough, as you mentioned a lot. Um, exhibit a is a 64 38 game against Yale this year, where Perry had, uh, 250 passing yards, 76 rushing yards, including a 50, 54 yard rush and our 56 yard rush and a 64 yard touchdown catch, you know, did everything literally, but still lost 64 to 38 to the Bulldogs. Um, and, and the interesting, the interesting thing is, is like, there's not much tape on Perry too, because he only had one national tele, national televised game on a Friday night against Harvard. We pre I pre, you know, we previewed that he, it was kind of disappointing because Brown got blown out by the Crimson, but his tape is electric. I mean, the one thing that, that I liked a lot looking at his profile on the draft network was the scout said he has um, his NFL comparison is Tyler Heineke because of those magician like, like qualities. And you can see it too, how he gets out of the pocket, throws on the run, not afraid to, you know, run up the middle, you know, throw a shoulder into someone. He's just a tough quarterback. And you know, that Heineke consideration, I mean, it's really good because if you look at Tyler Heineke's coming out party, it was the NFC wild card in 2020, you know, an overmatched Washington football team playing against Tom Brady and their Heineke is, you know, going throw for throw with Tom Brady. And you can easily see EJ Perry in a situation like that. In my opinion, maybe I'm biased. Uh, I know, I know you had some, a lot to say about EJ Perry. I mean, you really summed it all, summed it up all well, man. I mean, EJ Perry, like you said, he's a do it all quarterback throws great on the run, magician-like qualities. 
in a time where it's a Super Bowl between two number one picks, Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow, it's important to remember that the Taylor Heineke's are the Tyler Heineke's and, and the Jim Hart's that went undrafted, right? And still contributed a lot to their teams. So, yeah, I mean, and if you look at it, you mentioned Matthew Stafford. I mean, you look at his landing spot, it's easy to see him in a place where he puts pressure either puts pressure on a guy like maybe a Baker Mayfield. I know the Browns signed Kevin Davidson out of Princeton in the 20, after the 2020 draft. Um, and maybe you see him with the Rams too, where the Rams are not in a position to get to groom a top flight quarterback out of the draft in literally none of the drafts until 2024, because they keep trading their first round picks. Maybe you see the Rams draft EJ Perry and have him learn behind Matthew Stafford, the guy with magician like qualities himself. Um, a guy who was in a situation like Perry was at Brown with not much talent around him, but still made things work, you know? So maybe you see that with Perry too. The one concern as well, it's not all roses, the interceptions he's at 22, the past two years, but it's like, you, maybe you can chalk that up to, I guess a less than elite receiving core, um, you know, generally I guess a more elite, more elite defenses in the Ivy league. Cause they've had some very solid defenses as well. So, uh, but overall we're excited to like the quarterback, this quarterback crop, I want to say it, I'm more excited for this quarterback crop than the senior bowl crop because they're exciting to watch. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the stories aren't centered around them. So you're going to see some guys that you remember and some guys are just really, I mean, their style of place is different. It's, it's unconventional. Yeah, this is a league where you can't do it all the time. You can't rely too much on it, but you need to be able to make unscheduled plays. Like the, the Jimmy Johnson quote, right? If you only do what I coach you to do, it's not going to be any good. If you never do what I coach you to do, it's not going to be any good. So uh, you need to be able to make off-platform, off-schedule plays for sure. Uh, another guy uh, who is not – as well known as EJ Perry for doing that is Brock Purdy, my first quarterback uh, from the West team, the quarterback from Iowa State. Um, one scouting report summed it up perfectly. He has enough mobility. He's certainly not going to scramble around. Uh, it, certainly better than that. Think of there aren't too many pocket passers drafted now. Maybe like Kyle Trask, where it's just you know really hard for Trask to escape the pocket. Uh, so he has enough mobility. Um, not going to be a running quarterback, but he does typically need a little bit of a clean pocket. What I would really like to see is for him to succeed under pressure here. Uh, now we're not going to see, I believe if it's like the senior bowl blitzes are not allowed, uh, in this game, you can only rush a maximum of four. Uh, and it has to be, it can't be like from an interior linebacker it has to be from like an edge rusher defensive lineman, obviously. Um, so we may not get to see him under too much pressure, but hopefully we get to see a little bit and, uh, and obviously have uh, wish Purdy success in that. Yeah, honestly, Purdy's just a winner too. I mean, you look at 2020 Iowa State, maybe not so much this year, but Iowa State has never been an easy place to win. Chalked it up to him having Brees Hall or uh, Matt Campbell as his coach. But, I mean, Purdy played a great part in it as well. I mean, the, I mean, those Iowa State teams have plenty of talent. But, again, it, it is Iowa State. No no disrespect. It's a tough place to win, honestly, just due to the history. Um, he, he helps his team be the best that they can be, I believe, is the, the ultimate goal for Iowa State, right? So Yeah, exactly. The best that they can be in, like <laughs> – on the doorstep of a big 12 title. Like, I mean, that's, that's, that's really saying line of Fiesta Bowl birth. That's great for that program. Uh, you mentioned pocket passers and there aren't many, there is one pocket passer really in this game. Uh, Jack Cohn of Notre Dame. It's kind of crazy that he slipped into this one and not the senior bowl, of course, with him um, being a Notre Dame quarterback. Um, 
I mean, and, and it's just it's just a great point you make about how the game's changing. There's like not really any like pocket passes. Like everyone has some mobility. Like Cone really does not have much mobility. But um, yeah, you look at the other quarterbacks in the crop too, like Derek King. Of course, he has great mobility. That might be hindered by his knee injuries, but again, great mobility. Um, Skylar Thompson, great mobility, and I guess uh, our next guy, another guy that we both liked, Dustin Crum. And Dustin Crum is like, I mean, he's why you watch these college all star games. Like he's why you watch it while you watch a game with the shrine, like the shrine game, uh, 225. I mean, because he like you didn't really see him much. I mean, you didn't really see him much aside from midweek match. And when you saw him in midweek match, he absolutely delivered. Like there was like a game, I think, I think it was like a 70 to 41 game in the middle of the week in 2020, where it was just like score after score, and Crum was out there putting up points. Uh, even this year, too, uh, with uh Rocky Lombardi like going uh when Rocky Lombardi threw for over 500 yards against Kent State and Crum was going throw for throw with him uh just a great runner he doesn't look fast he has a very he's he's a long strider his run form his running form is a very long he's a, he's a long strider runner um he, he's got a beautiful deep ball from what I saw the knock from draft scouts is Crum's footwork and his release it's very unorthodox uh so maybe the coaching will help there help him improve there but uh Kent State the last quarterback but I mean, Kent State is usually a place where quarterbacks go and do other things in the NFL. First, you have Josh Cribbs, the great return man for the Browns, who played quarterback in the early 2000s. And of course, everyone knows Julian Edelman, too, who played quarterback at Kent State in the late 2000s, but changed to receiver. I don't see Crum changing to receiver, too, but he's an intriguing prospect just because of the excitability, too. I mean, I mean, do yourself a favor and watch the 2019 Frisco Bowl where he went throw for throw with Jordan Love. I mean, that's that was that was his part his coming out party. So Dustin Crum, um, you must watch TV. Absolutely. I forgot about that going throw to throw with, with Jordan Love. That was that was awesome. But yeah, man, um, I'm excited to see Crum. I know I had him on my list and you were like, you were like, you, you can't take Crum. I got to talk about Crum. So I uh, ended up taking Purdy. I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, football is better with the fullback, right? I'm going to go ahead and take the fullback, Clint Rakovich, uh, the fullback from Northern Illinois. Man, such a smart player. I'd really like to see him utilized in some kind of unique ways. Uh, he's listed as a running back in this game. So hopefully we do get to see him, you know, not just in a fullback capacity. Uh, I'd like to see him pass protect a lot. Probably won't need it that much since blitzes aren't allowed. Also would like to see uh, him get involved in, in some screen games and what he can do in the yard after catch capacity. So that's great that fullbacks are alive and well in this game because you mentioned that and i guess before before we mentioned i mentioned this other fullback just to close out with the quarterback discussion we got Skylar thompson too another guy that i'm sure a lot of people remember from kansas state seems like he's been there forever since like 2017 or 2016 but he's got good mobility he's got good leadership skills to um, beat oklahoma a couple times in his career he's got a lot of accuracy in the short game um i mean down the field i mean there's some concerns about his arm strength but just a you know just a guy that he's tough runs the ball well good mobility and of course Derek king too a guy who makes a lot of plays great throws durability is a bit of an issue size is a bit of an issue but man just give Derek king a shot honestly to play quarterback um i'm excited for that so moving on to the full to the other fullback on the other side for the east team you got xander horvath uh, of purdue and honestly i love xander horvath's uh, tape because the guy's big make make no make excuse me make no mistake about it he's a big guy a fullback for Purdue but he's got great agility can make people miss an open field there's a couple of highlights of him hurdling people can run you over a great pass catcher for Purdue um, lines up in shotgun takes carries and everything uh, for instance this year I mean 
He had 17 catches, 108 yards, 9-1 carries, 320 yards the year before, or I guess the last full year being 2019, pulling up stats, uh, more involved in the passing game as well. So this is a guy that can be an H-back, can be a running back. Uh, where's number 40 for Purdue? Kind of reminds me of another fullback that wore number 40 for Purdue, Mike Allstott. Uh, so maybe maybe teams use him there, but just the possibilities to use Xander Horvath in the backfield are endless, honestly. And I think Horvath can kind of slide in as either a seventh-round draft pick or possibly higher, too, because... I mean, teams need H-backs. If they don't use fullbacks, they use H-backs. And Horvath can is very versatile. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, fullbacks are alive and well. We'd love to see just a few fullback dives in this. Would be would be awesome, right? Um, I'll go ahead and go with my next guy, also from the West. All these guys, for me at least, have been from the West side. Uh, Tay Martin, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State. He's quick, not fast, which is definitely what you would prefer. Uh, I would love to see him again in some run blocking, maybe in some outside the tackle stuff. Uh, his really his only knock besides not being a vertical threat, like he's great before that. And he's certainly not like slow. He's just not going to you know take the top off like, you know, DK Metcalf or someone like that. Um, his really his only knock besides that has been that he's dropped a few easy balls. Um, and so I'd like to see him just a clean game, no drops, uh, you know, get on some, maybe refine his route tree a little bit um, and get to see, I mean, he's getting some great work in for sure with these loaded NFL coaching staff. So that'll be awesome. And yeah, wishing Tay all the best. Yeah, and Oklahoma State's a bit of a wide receiver factory. I mean, Des Bryant, Justin, Justin Blackman, in terms of having great college careers, Justin Blackman, um, James Washington, Tylen Wallace, and then now Tay Martin. Like, it, it's it's a great place for receivers, and it's great to see another Oklahoma State receiver. Um, and I'm sure I'll get those drops kinked out, uh, those drops worked out, excuse me, worked out because, you know what, drop troubles is preseason, that role publicized Jamar Chase, and look where he's at now. So easy fix right there, and uh, we'll see. Remember the tweet that was like Jamar Chase would love the XFL with the big stripes on the side. That, those jokes are long gone. Those are long gone. Yeah, exactly. And I, I like the Panaceal jokes about like whenever you drop a pass and say Panaceal would have caught that. But uh, we're we're well we're well past that, and I'm I'm happy for Jamar Chase. So staying on the offensive side of the ball, a guy that I liked a lot, a receiver I liked a lot. Um, was Derek Young out of Little Lenore Ryan on North Carolina. And this guy was a late ad. And I like him because um, as a Niners fan, Debo Samuel is now my favorite player, to be quite honest with you, um, because he's just, I mean, so versatile. There's so many uses for him. He's great in open field. He's tough as nails, uh, carrying the ball, will run you over. Derek Young's kind of the same type of guy. In 2019, he had 49 carries for 339 yards and four touchdowns. He had 25 catches for, five, for 515 yards and eight touchdowns. So every third catch, was catching a touchdown for Lenoir Ryan. Um, and, and aside from that, too, he's not like a small guy. Like, he doesn't get the ball a lot because he's, he's like a small Darren Sproles type guy who's like good in space. He's a big guy. He's 6'3, 220. I mean, he's bigger than Debo Samuel. So, sort, same sort of big build, tough receiver. Um, and especially with, uh, I sense a lot of teams will get Debo fever and trying to draft a guy that they can turn into Debo Samuel, but it will be like fitting a square peg into a round hole. I think Derek Young has a chance to really fit that bill, um, given his run, his running experience too. And I can definitely see him running through the tackles being a six, three, two twenty guy. So look at how, I mean, let's, let, I want to see how the coaches for the, for the East, um, actually is it East or the West. For the West, it was for the West, yeah. How the coaches of the West used Derek Young if they run him inside the tackles to sort of take advantage of that sort of Debo effect, or if they uh, throw deep to him because he's a proven deep threat out of Lenore Ryan. 
Yeah, that would be awesome to see. I feel like Debo Samuel is going to be one of those names that like we see overused in the comparison world come the combine in the draft. Um, so hopefully it's not used too much. But I mean, this guy seems like an accurate description of, uh, of Debo and the size is like mind blowing. If he's that good in space. Yeah, I'm curious. Did he do you know if he pump returned at any point in his career? Um, he returned kicks. He had seven for 104, I believe. Um, okay. Okay. I will say, much, and I've mentioned it before, scouts love it when you have kick return at some point because you're comfortable in space. You're comfortable taking angles, stuff like that. So that's certainly a, a plus. That would make a, a lot of sense that he kick returned for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and again, that's what these games are for. Like the NFLPA Bowl had um, kick returns on like the Hula Bowl. You saw some guys like Jaquez Ezzard. You saw Jaquez Ezzard in space, did some good things returning punts. Uh, Montreal, Washington had one kick return, um, but there's already footage of him returning kicks. Um, so, yeah, like you say, and there's a bunch of guys. There's a couple of guys that uh, I have on my list that return kicks as well, and we're, and we're very adept at it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And hopefully we get full on. I would assume if there's special teams coordinators for this, like there are in this game, uh, then we would see uh, special teams be a, a point of emphasis since a lot of these guys, that's how you make the roster, right? The special teams. I'll go ahead and go with my next guy, Derek Deese, a name that we've talked a lot about. Uh, Derek Deese Jr., I should specify, the wide receiver from San Jose State. Smart dude, 2019 and 2020 Mountain West all-academic all team. Uh, he was a semifinalist for the Mackey Award. Um, and then he's a, he's just a long, lanky receiver. It's, it's a great body type. Son of former off, uh, 49ers offensive tackle Derek Deese, who we've also talked about on here. Uh, a Really a chance for him to shine and uh, looking forward to seeing Deese. He's going to be on the east side. See, it's all messed up. You got a guy in California playing in the East, but you know, I'll save my comments for later. But Derek Deese, I, it's interesting. Like, uh, is he listed as a wideout? Is he? Are there size concerns about him being a receiver? Like, is he too lean to be a tight end? I believe so. I believe so. He is listed as a re- or as a receiver for for this game. So, okay. Uh, yeah, let me. No. I got the I got the chart right here for the height weight for the weigh-ins uh he is six three all right you know what i was wrong he actually is listed as a tight end i could just warn okay. you uh he's six three two thirty six uh yeah that's five, good size six, three, and 236 and 33 and a half inch arms too yeah 82 inch wing yeah that's a good size for sure i mean and Deese, i mean he's got great ball skills great jump ball skills as well um and of course las vegas is um is a happy place for a lot of spartan fans too after last year's uh mountain west title game when they beat boise state at their pseudo home field at sam boyd stadium actually the last football game at sam boyd stadium it's quite sad but um yeah i'm excited to see Deese. uh this is a good tight end group i mean the senior bowl's got an excellent tight end group but there's a pretty it's, i'd say this group is intriguing because the next guy that i'm going to talk about is armani rogers out of UNLV and Ohio. Most of you remember Armani Rogers being a quarterback for UNLV, pretty injury prone um, over his career in three years with UNLV. In three years with UNLV, he missed a total of eight of 16 games over those three years. And there was always flashes of excellence um, for UNLV too uh, with that strong running game that they had. 
but he's great running the ball. I'm not sure if you saw that 99-yard touchdown he had earlier this year, but in 10 games for UNLV and in his freshman year, 780 yards rushing. He had 565 yards rushing in six games for UNLV in 2018. Uh, this year for Ohio, used a mostly wildcat capacity. He had 90 carries for uh, 529 yards, almost six yards of carry and seven touchdowns. He's got good tight end size, 6'5", 225. And don't count out Armani Rodgers because you look at a guy like Logan Thomas who tried to do the whole thing as a quarterback, try to make as a quarterback and was a very good tight end for the Washington football team. And then you look at Tyree Jackson as well. Like Tyree Jackson did the same thing, trying to make it as a big quarterback. Um, and then he just switched to tight end. So it's not as silly as it seems. And as I mean, I, I would love to see Armani Rogers be a quarterback in this all-star game, uh, especially in front of his former home crowd in Vegas. But I, I think this is a good move for his career, um, you know, just based on re recent trends. So look for Armani Rogers. We'll see how it adjusts to the position change uh, in, the, in the Shrine game. I think it's 250. I'll go ahead and go with, with my next guy. Uh, I'm going to go with the center, actually. Alec Lindstrom, the center from Boston College. Uh, remember when Mike Mayock, before he was at the Raiders, used to, you know, call the East-West Shrine Bowl, uh, and he would always, he would almost get in trouble with NFL Network producers because of how often he wanted to show the end zone angle so that he could really show the offensive line and the defensive line and all that, right? Hopefully NFL Network keeps that up so you can see Lindstrom. Uh, according to NFL Sapien, he has a first or second round projection, so supposed to go really high. Uh, he's one of five Boston College players ever to be uh, first, our first all ACC team twice in his career. His dad is in the Boston College Hall of Fame and also spent a few years in the NFL. His older brother was a first-round pick in 2019 to the Falcons. Really, the only knock on him is that he's a little undersized for a center. He's slightly above 6'3", 294 and 32-inch arms. Uh, and he's going to be going against Ryder Anderson from Indiana, Matthew Butler from Tennessee. There's some good players on the West defensive line as he'll be playing on the East. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the lineups too. Uh, I guess the matchup as well, because that's something I guess uh, I, I I definitely overlooked like who the players will be facing up against. I didn't really get to see much practice footage, but just to see how they match up size wise. Um, I mean, for me, 6'3, 294 seems like a big guy for for a center, but I mean, I guess a big guy in general, but I guess for a center, like you know, you're definitely right. Like um, he is facing uphill battle. But, um, and you're you're in the you're in the trenches right there. So you you want a really big guy that you know is you you don't want size to ever be an, an issue when you're right in the middle of that. You don't want to go against Aaron Donald and a guy that powerful and just not have the you know size to go against him, right? So this isn't defensive line where you can kind of be a little bit sneaky. This is you need just mass up front. Absolutely. Um, and we'll see. I mean, there's there's time from the bulk up, you know, obviously, I guess before the draft and in summer camps as well. Um, well, staying with the trenches, too, you mentioned I'm going to go with a guy that's in the West, uh, a West pointer, Nolan Cockrell. Um, and the scouting report for the Hula Bowl uh, when they were at the Army Navy game was they, they, they tweeted out Nolan Cockrell, agile, athletic, interior defensive lineman with a 4-3 D tackle projection at the NFL level. Good pursuit and ability to fight in traffic. Uh, I mean, Nolan Cockrell, too, like he's not your conventional um, big body defensive tackle. Like they say, of course, he plays for West Point. Um, you know, they have the size restrictions as well. 
But I mean, he's just a guy that's just strong as heck. And I mean, he's just, I mean, he's, it's pure muscle. Like I just, I just don't like, he's not like you look at him. You wouldn't think he's a defensive side. You think he's like a defensive end or something with like how he's built uh, this past year, seven tackles for loss, as well as in 2020 on some great defenses for army. Uh, of course, I'm excited to see any West pointer in a uh, all-star game, uh, but I'm excited to see how he fits in. You know, I, I guess this is where the, um, you know, knowing that army runs uh, sort of like a three, four, and they had cock were running more. Yes. Like uh, I guess, you know, Run, or, I mean, of course, running the interior, but I guess I want to see how he does in a 4-3 scheme where he doesn't have to plug the middle against a huge center or he's, put, or he's faced off against a guard. I would love to see Cockwell do that. That that's I guess that's one benefit of having it divided schematically. So no one Cockwell representing the West Pointers out there. So, you know, going to be fun to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all these guys are going to be fun to watch. That's definitely one guy that I'm, I'm looking forward to in particular to watch him. I'll go ahead and go with my next guy, a Jermaine Waller, the corner from Virginia Tech playing on the east side of the ball. So at least it makes sense. Uh, he has a third or fourth round projection, began his high school career actually as a quarterback. Then he flipped over and now he's a you know an NFL prospect as a corner. Uh, he had an interception four of his first five games this year. So obviously, you know. Quarterbacks learn pretty early on not to throw the ball to him after, you know, four or five games. This is a 2020 season due to injury, unfortunately. Uh, and he also, I mean, he's best as an outside corner, so I wouldn't really expect to see him really in that slot or nickel position. Great length is flat six, 175 and 31 inch arms. So I'm excited to see Waller again. Yeah, and I will say on defense, I think the strongest position group um, in the whole Shrine Shrine game, uh, 275, is the defensive backs. There's, there's a ton of guys that are at smaller schools that, or even transfers. Like uh, there's a couple guys on my, or there's one guy on my list that transferred to Alcorn State, um, Quintez Cole, I believe. Um, sorry, nope, not Quintez, Quintarius. Yeah, Quintari Quintario Cole. Geez, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get ate up by the uh, HBCU community about that. Qu Quintario Cole, who transferred out to Louisville, we'll talk about a little bit later. But just a strong defensive back core. So I'm gonna mention a couple defensive backs at once. You got Bryce Watts out of UMass. Uh, UMass quickly being known as Dude Mast with uh, Don Brown coaching there now. Excited to see what he's doing out there. But Bryce Mass, a bright, our Bryce Watts, a bright spot for UMass this year for pass breakups. Uh, the the book on him is. Good size and length for boundary, fluid mover with makeup speed, explosive bursts and springs in, in his feet to this and springs to in his feet to high point, footwork massively improved over the years, and flash ball steals to the football and through wide receivers' hands and willing to hit. And that is from um geez, I don't have the Twitter account pulled up, but let's see. So I'll pull that up really quick. Um it was that was a book on him by Matt Lane of KCSN. Uh, and also, too, uh, he, I mean, he did good against some solid competition this year against Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison only had five catches or 40 yards for Pitt against Bryce Watts. Um, so I do think that people threw away from him uh, against UMass because I don't think that defense had a lot of depth, but great to see uh, Bryce Watts for UMass representing the Minutemen there in Vegas. And they've had a couple guys playing the Shrine game. Um, couple years like in the past few years they had Marquise Young good running back in 2018 uh they had Blake Fronapple great quarterback in uh 2016 along with Tajay Sharp so UMass puts out some good talent I just hope they put it together and have bowl appearance yeah hopefully so that would be that would be awesome to see I'll go ahead and go. Uh, I've actually got my last two guys, if you're ready. Uh, it's a little bit of a pair. I'm going to keep it really simple for you guys. They're just kind of going to be casually watching Thursday night. So when the East has the ball, the West is on defense. 
Watch for the orange helmets on the West defense. Uh, Nolan Turner, the safety, and Balin Spector, uh, the linebacker, both are from Clemson, both going to be on the West defense. Uh, Nolan Turner, the safety, great coming downhill. I'd, I'd really look for a big hit. He's better at hitting than he is wrapping up, honestly. Great range, takes solid angles. Uh, he's early day three right now, according to NFL Sapien. I'd look for him to raise his stock even to the latter half of day two. Uh, and then Balin Spector, the linebacker, 11 tackles and one interception versus Georgia in the Duke's Mayo kickoff. So played very good against the best team in the country. Four games with eight plus tackles. So he obviously, you know, you know, run all over the field tackling. Dabo actually called him and Skowski the Bruce brothers. So definitely something to watch with Spectre and Turner when uh, when the East has the ball. You know, I like how you broke it down like that because I don't know if they swapped decals in the East-West Shrine Shrine game, but uh, they certainly did it a lot in uh, you know the Hula Bowl, the NFLPA Bowl. So it's like it's, it's hard to keep track of at times. So it's good that you put the orange helmets as well. Um, so I guess I, uh, I, I mean I, I got a few more guys than than you. Um, just quick blurbs. There's a lot of great small school defensive talent uh, or defensive back talent. You know, like I said, it's like the best group. Um, so a couple guys from Division Two. You got Sam Webb out of Missouri Western, a guy that's a physical corner who can play safety, makes great angles in open field. Like a lot of his highlight tape that I get found on YouTube was just him like making great hustle plays like which is like it's great for special teams like guys trying to break on for special teams like maybe the team will see that and um will want to will want to try him out on special teams and from there he gets a starting spot so a great a great a defensive back out of missouri western 32 career pass breakups so an absolute ball hawk um and then for staying division two you have dallas flowers a guy that actually started at naia grandview playing for the east um so he has he's an outstanding return man let's get that started with that he averaged 38 yards a kick return in 2019 and a 34 yard return average in 2021 so hopefully he's returning kicks at the shrine game on um on thursday uh he's had nine picks the last two years he's got great breaking speed on the ball um you know, just a guy, too, that can probably make money on special teams with that return average to return punts as well, had an 11-yard average. So just good, a good defensive backcourt, guys that can, you know, find themselves doing stuff on special teams, whether it be defending kicks or returning them with, uh, with Sam Webb and um, Dallas Flowers. And then finishing off with, like, my final two other guys, uh, closing it off with HBCUs. Excuse me. We have a guy like Jacoby Durant who's gotten a lot of hype in draft circles, especially after his performance against Clemson when he picked off, I think, two passes against the Tigers. Um, earlier this spring in 2021, he picked off a Quill Glass, the guy that's rising up draft force. He picked him off three times for Alabama AM. So Jacoby Durant, the book on him, and I quote, uh, this is from the draft network as well. They make some great uh, scouting reports that are that are not behind a paywall, thankfully. The book on him says Durant is quick-footed. And as a quick foot and active quarterback prospect, possessing a smooth backpedal, he's easy to plant. He, he's easily able to plant, drive, and attack downhill on targets once the ball is released into his coverage areas. Light on his feet, he's contained, he contains adequate turn and run skills as he remains in phase through the duration of routes. So just a really light-footed corner. And a lot of that's owed to his size, which is the main knock on him that he needs to get, you know, gain some weight. But again, I have no doubt that I'll be able to do that, but just, a, I mean, a really hidden gem kind of reminds me of a Dominique Rogers Cromarty, a guy coming out of HBCU that has really great ball talent. He had 12 pass breakups this year and three interceptions, four picks in the spring. So great guy there. And my last guy, we got um, Deshaun Dixon, defensive end out of Norfolk State. This guy just bullied Miak Lyman. I mean, really strong bull rush. He doesn't really rally with speed like a guy like Daniel Hardy in NFLPA bull did. 
Um, but just a great bull rush, nine and a half sacks this year, or nine sacks this year, 12 and a half tackles for loss on a Norfolk State team that was resurgent this year. I mean, a lot of people didn't really expect them to make noise out of the MIAC, and they almost won the conference title. So great HBCU talent there. We also have James Houston, former Gator in Jackson State, and now Jackson State Tiger, who played in the NFLPA Bowl as well, and I think he also played in the Hula Bowl. Maybe it was just NFLPA Bowl. But um, he's also playing the Shrine Bowl. He's listed on the roster. I think he was in the I think he was in the I could be wrong. I think so. Yeah, he, he was making the rounds. Um, so yeah, another double dipper too. Uh speaking of double dippers, you have uh there's two of them that I know, or there's three that I know of. You have Tommy Heatherly out of um, Georgia Tech, the punter, or Tommy Hilly out of Florida International, the punter. You have um, Isaiah Pacheco, the running back, who had a strong showing the hula bowl as well. And then you also have a safety from uh, Georgia Tech. His name's escaping me right now. Uh, that's what happens when you double dip. There's so many doggone players. Um, he's definitely on the West. <laughs> I mean, shoot, that that kind of messed me up. A guy in Georgia Tech be on the West. But, you know, there should be a jar for me complaining about every player being misplaced geographically. Um, if I can find him, this is embarrassing, but anyway, yeah, there's a double dipper from uh, Georgia Tech. I think it's a uh, Taquari Roberson. I think his name is, um, so just more double dippers. It's good to see guys out there playing in multiple all Street games and getting themselves out there. So. I thought I found it. I'm trying to find it myself here. Uh, sorry. I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm looking for it on here, but yeah, man. Um, no, plenty of guys to watch. And what I would recommend for you guys, if you go to the East West Shrine Bulls website, uh, you can download this really, uh, handy, uh, spreadsheet of the roster and the weigh-ins and all that. I know I'm going to print it out, just have it by my side and, and watch it just so you can know who you're watching, man, on these games. Cause that's really going to be what's important. And, uh, certainly what you're going to want to know come, uh, come late April. So yeah absolutely and i mean like even especially the small school guys too uh it's useful for that because um who i mean a lot of people um and it's kind of wrong including myself don't really make the rounds to like you know division two football to see a guy like dallas flowers even like there's a couple canadian guys playing this game too so it'd be handy to see like if you don't recognize the school um good to shout that school out too and uh, i mean i just want to show the logo for missouri western like what a logo that is uh, i don't know if you ever i don't know if anyone ever noticed this logo but it is literally uh, it's literally a griffin that is a shape of Miss of Missouri. Like that's, I just want to shout out Missouri Western's logo as they have Sam Webb representing them in this game. Um, so yeah, but uh, should be fun. Um, the time, what time is the game again? Eastern time is it eight o'clock Eastern uh, on NFL Ooh, Network? Shoot. Is it? I don't even know. Let me let me look it up. I'm not. I sure got the website book. on my laptop right now. Let me let me check that. It is. It is eight Eastern. Yep. 8 Eastern. Cool. All right. Yeah, so, I mean, it should be, it should be a fun game. Uh, the most is probably, the, the is longest... the field going to be painted to the Pro Bowl already? Are they just kind of forgetting this game happened? No, no. They got the Shriners in the end zone because they have, uh, if you look at the practice footage, it says 100 years. This is the 100th anniversary of the of the Shriners, I believe. Uh, so, just, it's just great to see that. Um, yeah, like, it, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. Of course, seeing Thursday Night Football again, you know, at the Roomba, but, you know, heck we'll, we'll we'll see it we'll see if the fans turn out i'm not sure if the fans will turn out but it's great for the tv viewers because what else is there is there to do on a thursday night you know one last thursday night football run 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So great to see. Always good to see TNF. We got the Pro Bowl Sunday and then, man, it is uh, our that we got the excuse me, the Senior Bowl on Saturday and then cap it off with the Pro Bowl. So a great weekend of football. Last one with multiple games until the uh, until we got the uh, XFL starting. Absolutely. I mean, not even the XFL, the USFL. Are not, yeah, not XFL, USFL. I mean. And, and fan-controlled football, too, has got, um, got something cooking as well. They're Honestly, into- I'm more excited for FCF than I am USFL, personally. Yeah, I mean, especially after today when they dropped the news that they're, um, they're building their venue this year at the historic um, Pullman Yards in Atlanta. It's, it's just a different setting. Like, it's, it's historic, like, a um, trade district. And they're just building their their arena there, so it's it's cool too. Nice. So, okay. yeah, um, I'm excited as well. And after this, we have the they're not running a place; they're building it. Um, it's like it's like a build and tear down type thing. I think. I mean, I don't yes. I don't think it's like yeah, I don't think they're renting it, but um, yeah. So, I guess before those leagues start, we got two more all star games. We got this the Senior Bowl on this Saturday, and then we have the HBCU Legacy Bowl on the 18th uh, and then that'll be a cap on college football season and draft season will have officially started. So yeah. I mean, do you have anything else to say, Jackson? Not at all. Not at all. Um, I'm excited for uh, these are my two favorite ones personally, the uh, shrine bowl and the senior bowl. So I'm excited. We're doing our senior bowl preview tomorrow, which will also come out. So I'm, I'm excited about that one. Probably my favorite show that we do of the year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, mine too. Uh, and do yourself a favor. If you want to just get ready and just really get a grasp for the history of the Shrine game, uh, I think it's 325. You know, look at the old programs. They have all the programs from every single game. Well, not all the programs, but every single roster sheet from every game in the history of the Shrine game, uh, 350. And just like look how the games change over the years. And, like sort of the evolution. You can see the evolution of college football where like, you see rosters heavy with schools like Bucknell, Lafayette, and Duquesne. And you see that sort of go away. It's like how college football is nowadays. So, you know, a nice little college football history lesson on the East West Shrine game site, 375. Um, and yeah, so I mean, if Jack says nothing else to say, uh, another great episode and uh, peace, love, and soul, everyone.